All right. Well, welcome back at it to another uh, episode of Life in Red, lifeinredpodcast.com, at Life in Red Podcast, Instagram and Twitter, or Instagram and Facebook, and then Twitter is Life in Red Pod. Uh, my guests, yes, I have two today, uh, came on. For, what a great conversation. And uh, anyone who's been listening to the last number of episodes, you know that, one, I'm a, a big mental health advocate, and I, I constantly talk about and bring guests on about it, but also about creating... I guess a culture and a and a a change of behavior in men, specifically toxic masculinity traits, uh, and having men feel comfortable to open up and be vulnerable and talk about their feelings and their mental health, and I think that's super important. And that's exactly what my two guests are are doing, and they're diving in, putting together the action. Uh, they are co-founders of the app. It's called Tether. It's uh, peer support, which is something I find super fascinating for men. It's an online community where men can show up and, and you know, be vulnerable and, and talk to other men who might be going through similar experiences or just looking for ways to connect, whether that's anonymously uh, when in need or just having ongoing conversations or being there for other people. And we get into all of that. We get into some of the, the stats behind men's mental health, why these two gentlemen found did this company and the stories that led them there. We talk about healing journeys, men's mental health, a whole bunch of things. It was a great conversation. Um, again, you can check out their app. Uh, it's called Tether. It's T-E-T-H-R, T-E-T-H-R. It's on all uh, platforms you can get apps. Uh, so please give it up for the CEO of Tether, Matt Zerker, and his other co-founder, Addison Brazil. Take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. All right, uh, pleased to be joined here today by the uh, man and creators of Tether. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having us, Ryan. So Matt, we'll start with you. And before we get into the app, uh, we'll just kind of define some roles here. What is your role with Tether? Okay, I'm the I'm the founder and uh, and the CEO, um, and so um, you know uh, a few. Well, I guess it was November of 2019 uh, was you know when I uh, you know started Tether, um, and we'll we'll get into how Addison and I sort of came together uh, and how he became uh, one of our co-founders here uh, at Tether. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was after you know a long uh, a long battle with mental health and I'm happy to go into the story more mm-hmm. uh, and you know uh, an unfulfilling uh, a successful but unfulfilling career in finance uh, that sort of led me to building Tether and I'm happy to jump into that. Right that, that's super interesting so we'll definitely touch on that. Uh, Addison we'll just define your role what do you do for Tether? Yeah I uh, as Matt said I'm a co-founder uh, and then I'm the head of brand and impact for Tether. Perfect. So if we're going to talk to anybody about this company, you two are the men and that's perfect. Um, so what, what is Tether? Uh, you know, you mentioned it's about mental health. That's where our mutual connection and how we connected about this episode. Uh, Matt, why don't you tell us about this app and how it kind of came to be? I know that's probably a long general story, so take as much time as you need, but... I'll, I'll try. I'm, I'm working on actually condensing this more okay. and more these days. <laughs> Um, because I, I'm, I'm, I've been coached uh, to do so. 
Um, but uh, it's been suggested that I shorten <laughs> the story a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so I mean, I've, I've dealt with mental health issues my my entire life. Uh, you know, I grew up uh, here in Toronto. Uh, one of the things that I think really defined, uh, you know, my how I viewed myself, I would say, is uh, a couple things. First was a lot of childhood bullying. Um, and, and the second was, you know, coming from a home where uh, there was, you know, all the support that you could want in the world, uh, never, you know, never missed a meal. My parents worked like, you know, like dogs to uh, provide for us. Uh, you know, my mother was a lawyer, my father uh, was an accountant, so I come from a professional home. Um, and, and they did everything to support me and my sister and make sure that we could do anything that we wanted. Um, and, but there was always sort of this, this, this gap. It's like, I didn't feel like my parents totally understood what I was going through and they didn't totally understand how I felt. And it's been actually interesting to have those conversations now with them uh, as an adult and going back to that. But uh, those were kind of the two things that define my childhood uh, for me. And it made me feel like I was apart from other people. Uh, it made me feel like the, I was something that needed to be fixed. Uh, and it made me feel like I was a problem. And, uh, you know, those are all things that I've kind of learned in hindsight. But as I grew up, um, there was always this hole that I felt inside of me, something that I was trying to fill, uh, you know, uh, like a, a, a longing to you know, to feel whole again, right? And, and and I never really knew what that was. And so when you're young, uh, you start to try and figure out ways to sort of fill that unconscious hole that you feel inside of you. So when I was younger, uh, when I was like in early teens, it was food. Uh, when I got into high school, it was partying, drinking, drugs, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and then when I went to university, it became achievement. Um, and it served me, right? In, in some ways, all of those things have sort of served me along my path, especially uh, when I started to turn my brain towards achievement, I ended up graduating top of my class from U of T. Um, I did the CFA, which is the Chartered Financial Analyst designation while I was still in undergrad, uh, graduated, joined a hedge fund here in Toronto, uh, and became a portfolio manager uh, by the time I was 27. So uh, all of that hard work paid off. I was a very young portfolio manager. Uh, you know, I was, you know, I was working directly with the, the three principals uh, of the company that I worked for raising money. Uh, so there was a lot of valuable experience that I garnered from that, but I was still miserable in a lot of ways. Um, and I would still go home at the end of the day of work and I would still numb out uh, because I, there was just something that still wasn't fulfilling. I did very well, made good money, uh, you know, owned my own home, all things on the outside look good for me, uh, but I still have that sort of gaping hole. And then what really turned things around for me uh, turn, well, not turn things around, but was the turning point was in 2018, uh, one of my best friends uh, very suddenly passed away uh, from a pulmonary embolism. And it was sort of doubly shocking because uh, we actually lived just across uh, the way, like this almost alleyway, but it was a townhouse complex. So our, our front steps faced each other and our balconies faced each other. Uh, and he actually passed away on the front steps right in front uh, of our home. Um, and just something after that really shifted and changed for me. Um, I became very depressed. It was hard for me to get out of bed. Uh, I couldn't work. Um, there was all of these things that were starting to happen. I had to go on mental health leave. Um, and I, I, I started to try absolutely everything that I could, uh, in order to, you know, get through that. I, I tried therapy, medication. I tried, uh, experimental treatments. Uh, I, I really ran the entire gamut. 
uh, in terms of things that I could do to heal and get better. And it wasn't until I found uh, really like, I mean, all of this is in hindsight, but it wasn't until I found a men's peer support group here in Toronto um, that things started to shift for me. And I went to that group on the recommendation of a friend of mine. He actually went with me uh, because he was thinking of joining it as well. We went together and it was really the first time that I had ever been uh, in a supportive space uh, of men uh, where we were talking about what we were struggling with. And I didn't feel like I was any less than because of what I was going through. In fact, I felt understood by these men. Um, and that was a powerful experience. And, um, you know, that didn't fix the problem. But uh, if I look back on it, it definitely shifted something inside of me and started me down uh, a different type of path in terms of my own healing. I ended up uh, then that was about, I would say that was about November of 2018 was the first time that I, I did that. And then in April 2019, I ended up going on a retreat down in the U.S. Uh, and again, it was a men's retreat. And I had decided I wanted to go deeper into the work. And I, I had a really profound experience at that retreat. And again, something shifted inside of me. Um, and this time, um, you know, I kind of ended up going off the deep end a little bit. Um, and when I got home, so like I, I, I came home from that, uh, from that retreat on a Monday and I, I, I sat down at my desk and I was like, I can't do this anymore. This is not what I'm meant to do. Um, I didn't know what I was meant to do, but I, I knew this wasn't it. And I, I decided that, uh, you know, I was going to quit my job. So I got home on a Monday and ended up quitting my job uh, on a Wednesday and, uh, and then went off and, uh, you know, Tether really kind of came out of, I was very fortunate that I was able to take the time, you know, saved up money, uh, was able to, to go away for a little bit, travel for six weeks, um, and then through uh, a variety of different circumstances, ended up having coffee with a friend one day. And for whatever reason, this idea clicked in my mind based on a conversation that we were having. Um, and I've had ideas before for, for things that I wanted to do. I never pursued it. Uh, and I was terrified to pursue this. And I didn't know how I was going to finance it. I didn't know how I was going to build it. I had no, uh, you know, I had no uh, experience in tech of any kind. Uh, but for whatever reason, I just kind of kept pursuing it, kept pursuing it, kept pursuing it. Um, and here we are today. So it's really been, uh, it's been an interesting journey. And, you know, along the way, I mean, we'll talk about how we met each other, but, you know, Addison and I reconnected, we went to high school together long, long, long ago, um, and ended up reconnecting through this process of me going through my own healing journey, uh, and him going through his own healing journey. And, um, you know, it just, it worked. And, and, you know, now we're here talking with you about, you know, an app that's in the app store as 3,500 uh, men who have downloaded it. And uh, yeah, we're just really at the beginning of our journey. Yeah. And it's been fun to follow. Uh, I, I kind of found and stumbled on through some, some mutual connections here. Uh, I was late last year and you'd never have known that this is like really like a brand new start for you, for you, like that it was only kind of like a year old at the time that I found it. But I, I see, you know, you being mentioned on like TMZ and, and doing all these high profile interviews. I think that just goes to speak of, you know, the, the need for something like this, because I'm in the mental health community and we talk a lot about peer support and people try with Facebook groups and, and you know, they, it, but it always kind of fizzles out. It's something that's hard to stick to. So to have two people super committed to it and really pushing out this idea, I think is, is great. And I had a lot of similarities to your story where we grew up in these, these privileged homes, all these 
you, you could have anything you ever wanted and yet you still feel empty or you still feel depressed or you still feel like something lonely missing. And, and when people ask you, but you have everything and it's like, I know, and I don't know why I feel like shit. You know what I mean? Like it's when you, when you spoke about that, I think that's super important, super important to acknowledge. Addison, I'll get with you where Matt mentioned you guys connected. How did you come a part of this, this story and, and what drew you to this idea? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I, like Matt had no intention of ever really doing anything in mental health. When I started my career, I had moved out to Los Angeles after dancing on scholarship in Pittsburgh and was in entertainment and, and doing all that stuff. Um, however, in the last 10 years, I, I lost my brother to cancer. Uh, I found my father after his suicide and I was in a, a really bad accident about three years ago that left me relearning to walk and just sort of operate in the world. And, whether I liked it or not, those three experiences obviously made mental health a, a full-time job within my own life, whether I wanted to or not, and obviously unpaid. Um, so um, that's kind of like where, whether I liked it or not, mental health just kind of became this force within my life that I really had to actually find flow within if I was going to make it through all those experiences. Um, and Matt, like uh, like you said, we went to high school together And just after the accident, um, I was grieving quite heavily and I was also dealing with a lot of chronic pain. And and to be quite honest, I was for the first time in my life kind of had entered into sort of a suicidal depression. And Matt was grieving as well at the time and going through what he was going through. And um, I just just noticed that he had put a a Facebook status because we were sort of that first wave of Facebook out of high school. Um, so luckily we were connected in that way. And I just kind of remember thinking like, oh, he gets it. He's, he's really going through it right now when he was grieving. And, and so decided to reach out and see if he just like wanted to talk and he did. And so um, we sort of started this, this peer relationship because we were in this very similar position. And I always make a point of saying this, but when I did get to talk to Matt um, that first time, I call it the Matt moment, but he admitted to me that he didn't want to live, but he didn't want to die. And I very much understood that feeling. Uh, and at the same time, nobody and, and no man for sure had ever admitted that they found themselves in that position before. So it was very powerful for me. And um, so we decided to stay connected and we were both kind of, as Matt said, going to the ends of the world at that point, trying different mental health modalities and treatments and therapy. And, you know, and we've kind of formed this peer relationship where, you know, there was no hierarchy. There was just, you know, two men kind of being very honest about their mental health journey. And in retrospect, obviously we didn't plan for it to sort of be the beta of Tether, but it it really, it really is and and was um, and still gets to be to this day. Um, And I think that's a big part of it is when, Matt wasn't building something to make money or building something to feel successful. He was building something he wanted to use. And when he brought the idea forward, it was something that I knew that I very much would want to use. Um, considering our experience when it comes to mental health and well-being, as far as what we've tried and, and what we've gone to, I figured, um, you know, it would be something that many other men would want to use too. So I kind of came in at that point and to be honest, um, you know, I'm kind of that friend that a lot of people bring ideas to. So I was actually in the point of creating boundaries when Matt had come up with this and was kind of like, okay, like, like, yep. Um, you know, a lot of friends with app ideas, you know, and, you know, Matt, Matt came back with uh, our other co-founders, Burke White and Denny Park, who, you know, the tech side, 
of things and he was ready to go. And, you know, when someone sells their home to make sure a free app exists for men, um, it's a pretty, pretty big signal that this is something that's going to happen. It's something that, you know, I, I, I cultivate my life around championing like that kind of behavior exactly. And so the idea that it actually could carve out a professional position for me and I could get to be a part of building the community and the brand um, and sort of position it like you mentioned earlier, make sure that people see it and are talking about it. Uh, it was just something that I thought would start with a couple hours helping Matt out and it turned into what I do. So that's, that's kind of where we're at. So Matt, you went all in, you sold your home and you're like, let's go. You're just going to dive right into that. That is, yeah. that, that, that does say something. Um, you're absolutely right. So let's talk about what this app is. Cause you know, as I hear you talk and explaining things, it, it doesn't seem like, you know, you have to be suffering from, from mental illness. Maybe it's just a, a moment in time, or like you said, you both were suffering from grief or Addison, you had your accident. So like, kind of like go through like what this app is and, and who you're trying to bring in and who is it really supposed to help? Mm-hmm. I, I think your, I think your observation that it, you don't need to be struggling with mental health issues uh, to use Tether is like totally right on. Um, I think what this is really about is about building you know, real connected relationships between guys, like being able to build a relationship between two guys where it's like, you can talk about, you know, you can talk about hockey, you can talk about whatever, you know what I mean? Like you can have that kind of high level conversation, but then because of the reason why both of you are there and connecting and and because you're both on the platform, there is this understanding that if you need to go there, you can, right? And I think that, just knowing that you can go there and you can have the conversation and you do have the freedom to say, I'm not okay, is a very powerful thing that deepens our relationship substantially. And I think it's what a lot of men are looking for. Um, you know, one of my buddies who I, I was talking to, he, he made a great point. He said, uh, he's like, life is kind of like a hockey interview. Uh, but when I'm, you know, when I'm on tether, it's not like that. Right. And, and I think that in, even in the simplicity of that statement, he, he hit on something really important, right? It's like, we're always, you know, when somebody asks you how you're doing, we always say, oh yeah, no, I'm good. You know, this is going okay. This is going okay. Blah, blah, blah. You know, kids, wife, partner, job, you know, all of those types of things. And you start checking off the boxes for people and telling them how you're okay. But do we ever really slow down and say, you know what, like, I'm not doing great. And I think for a lot of men, uh, we've been conditioned in so many ways to to have that wall in front of us. We've been told that it's not okay to struggle. It's not masculine to do so. Um, and and I think as a result, a lot of men are li- living with like profound amount profound amounts of shame uh, and isolation uh, and a lack of purpose and meaning in their lives. And so what we've done is we've built a community where the understanding is that you don't have to talk about what's going on with you if you don't want to, but you can go there. And there are men who are like-minded and want to go there with you if you need it. So it's really about what we've done is we've really created a very effective container for these relationships uh, to take place and to take hold. And then what Addison's done so well, and I'll let him talk about that, is develop programming around getting men into uh, a team-based environment. We know from uh, both research and just like anecdotal evidence that men really do thrive in team-based environments. And there's a saying that women heal face-to-face and men heal shoulder-to-shoulder. And it's, you know, it's very true, right? It's that, you know, through activity, through, you know, uh, communal learning, through uh, group interaction, 
you know, for whatever reason, that provides us with just enough comfort to be able to start the process of opening up. Um, so yeah, there's that. And then there's so much more that we're building, I think, from an awareness standpoint. I, I don't, I'll let Addison talk about awareness and, and advocacy and all of the things that I think we try and build into our brand. Yeah, that's one thing I, I love about an, an app like this is even if you might not be comfortable with, with speaking about it. You know, the one thing I always say is as someone who speaks about it publicly, everyone kind of, well, not every people have an idea that if I'm going to talk about my mental illness or my feelings, like you have to do it on social media or you have to do interviews or you have to, you know, like put it out to everybody. But something like this is if you're going through something and maybe you're not ready to talk about it quite yet, but you can go on and see people talking about things. And then even though you're not necessarily talking about your feelings, you're like, Oh, like I can see Matt, he's typing about this thing, experiencing grief. That's exactly how I feel. And then it creates that, that kind of bond. And even if it's a one-way bond at that point, I find that very interesting. Addison, when we talk about this app, like <laughs> in my mind, I'm like thinking like, is it like, tinder but for like mental health men right like you do like swipe and make connections based on profiles like how does how does it all work and then let's talk about some of the programming because I've, I've noticed a couple really cool things you've been doing on on social media yeah you know i think it's exactly like what you said in the sense of once you come on and decide that you want to be a part of the community you do build a profile it doesn't it doesn't match it's it's <laughs> not not quite mental health dating but in a sense it's exactly how how you put it is, is, you know, there's an entry point for everybody in terms of what they're comfortable with and what they feel safe with um, as far as sharing or supporting. And, and one thing we always like to hit when Matt and I do talks around peer support and what peer support is and isn't is that it's a balanced and boundary driven relationship. And when you're thinking about peer support, um, you know, at any point, either man can be the one being supported or the one doing the supporting and that can switch at any moment. So it's, it's not about, you know, going on there to be fixed or going on there because there's something wrong with you, but just going on there to be part of a community that's willing to honor everything that goes on with somebody. And so that's kind of really the differentiating point. And it's exactly like you said, some men come on, they check in with an emotion and they, they post a thread and they share right away. Some men come on and they start by supporting other men to see how it goes. And we have men that, you know, come on and, and just witness what goes on in that safe space for a few weeks and, and then enter in their own way. And of course, then there's everything that can happen in the back end. So if you were to see someone who's grieving and, and it resonates with you, you would have that option to direct message them. Or if a few, a few men in the main threads are speaking about something like that, the idea to put them together in a group message. And we really saw that interest in sort of building these organic pods at the time, you know, based on what people are going through. And like Matt said, and like you've touched on, mental health or mental illness is not at all the entry point necessarily. So when we looked at building the pods and the programming right now, we've launched our, um, our accountability programming where guys are put into pods and then experientially as a group, they get to learn about the science of accountability and how to create a culture of accountability. And that's led by Chris Wilson, who's a master men's coach. And I, in designing the program with him, we really made it so that the men are, are put together and they're aware that everyone sort of joined tether, like we said, taking that oath and, and being willing to show up when, when you need to, but really it's based on accountability and, the, and they're building and, and learning around that. Um, so 
it's very interesting. And one of the really cool things about my job, um, as far as the programming and the community goes, is just looking at what are barriers for men? What gets in the way of them talking or sharing or supporting? And, and what's the simplest way to move that a little bit forward? So a great example is every day, every morning, you can come on and do a one word check-in, which just involves picking one word for how you're feeling physically, mentally, and emotionally. And, and that's it. You don't have to explain the one word. You don't have to go and you can, if you want, you can do another thread, but it's just, you know, looking at different ways and different, different ways to really activate men in just normalizing this type of behavior, because it is normal and it gets to be normal. Um, and, and, you know, that conversation obviously is changing and it's, and it's proven by, you know, the numbers of men that, that are joining us um, at this time. Right now, I think you, I mean, it seems like kind of fate because as we moved into the pandemic and we all talk about the uh, emotional and, and mental kind of tax that this pandemic has created and, and that really hasn't been addressed by governments or, or business in a lot of ways that like you almost couldn't have picked a better time um, uh, to, to kind of have this already start going and, and then kind of build that growth. One thing I'm curious about, because as you're, as you're marketing, as you're doing outreach, as you're trying to get this into, you know, as many phones of, of men as possible, how do you, and I'll let whoever wants to take this, if you both want to jump in, that, that's cool. But how do you try to explain to men who might not be comfortable with this idea still of, of sharing or emotions, or, you know, we talk about the, the toxic masculinity traits that unfortunately still a lot of men have, and especially men who grew up in small towns or maybe conservative, conservative households. How do you go about trying to break down that barrier and, and, and reach out to them and like, let, let them know, like, you can, you can come in here. This is a safe place. We can talk about it. Like, do you have a strategy or focus on that? Cause that's something I'm very kind of passionate about and really want to explore. Yeah. And I can, I can let Matt elaborate on this more, but one thing that both, you know, like Matt said, research and anecdotally that we see, and we know just through lived experience is that men really respond to model behavior when they see other men, especially men that they trust doing things. So, you know, we, we do practice what we preach in the sense that you'll see Matt and I out there having conversations about, you know, what we've been through and what we're going through. And so whether it's seeing us on an Instagram TV or hearing us on a podcast or, or hearing one of the men, or just out of curiosity, downloading, and like we said, witnessing the behavior and learning experientially, there's just, Tether as a brand really like is, it aims to show up as sort of the willing best friend. Like I say, like think more like Ron Weasley or like Sam Wise, like I'll go with you. We'll figure it out together. I don't know all the answers, but I do know, mm. you know, mystics and wisdom leaders along the way and we'll, we'll figure it out. It's not, Tether's not supposed to be this sort of old man on a rock telling you, you know, what mental health is and, and how to live your life. It's, you know, come on and let's figure it out together. And, and we very, very intentionally stayed peer supporters, even as ourselves, we, we're not trying to get certified, we're not trying to become a psychologist while building Tether, where we want to champion the role of a peer supporter and take it as far as a man can take it, which we've already seen can be quite far and very impactful. And, and sometimes, and, and Matt, Matt is great to talk about this, but sometimes um, it can 
it can be a, a greater vantage point to have an uptick of service for mental health for men. It's just the way that they respond um, to, to mental health in general, rather than therapy as a modality, but, but the idea of peer support and, um, and it being enabled by other men for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything. And I think Addison, you know, hit the most important point around modeling behavior. Um, and, and that, you know, that is very much rooted in, you know, I, I think, I think, you know, sometimes it's hard to be the first guy through the door, uh, but there has to be a first guy through the door uh, in all of these situations. Um, and so um, I, I'm not so concerned with like, you know, the specific marketing that's going to convince a guy who's not there yet to get there. Right. I, you know, for me, it's more just like, you know, show them with what you do, right. Show them with the other men that you attract, um, you know, show them, uh, by, you know, by showing up and, and, and by being there and, and, and trying not to change their attitudes towards it, right? If they're, if they're not ready to go there, they're not ready to go there. And there's nothing that I, I can do about that. But what I do know is that peer, peer support is extraordinarily effective at bringing men into the conversation. And at the very least, it's very good at breaking down the barriers of isolation that we often feel around it. So, even if that person isn't ready to jump through the threshold, isn't ready to take that step, they still get the benefit of seeing that there are men talking about it. And I think over time, that starts to, that starts to break down barriers, right? So, I mean, that part is a gradual process. I would say, you know, I think by approaching it as being this, you know, approachable best friend, right? That, that's really, I think, where, where our strength lies. Again, you know, we're, we're not, you know, we're not experts, right? We're, we're lived experience experts, but we're not mental health experts and we're not practitioners, nor do we want to be any of those things. Um, I, I think one of the other things that Addison and I have sort of said on a number, in a number of different places is like, we're there for you before, during, and after you get the professional support you need, right? We're your team. We are like, we are the team that you build and uh, that, that can get you through anything. And, and we're not there to say, oh, it's time to go to therapy. We're there when you say, I think I want to go to therapy. We'll be like, yeah, man. And when you're done therapy, you can like, give me a buzz. Let's talk about it. I'd love to hear how it goes. Right. So it's actually a very different uh, approach. And, and I think what really underpins this is letting men know that they're safe to talk about it if they want. And that's really at the core of everything that we built rather than necessarily saying, oh, you know, men need to do this, 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 and this, and then that's going to help their mental health. I think really, and and this kind of goes back to the community aspect of it and the modeling behavior of it. It's just, it's simply so effective to, uh, I'll tell you a story and it's like simply so effective just to know that something is there. Uh, And we had recently something happen where I think it was like, probably in the first couple of weeks uh, that we had run the platform, uh, there was a young man that came onto the platform um, and he had just attempted suicide. He didn't know how to tell his parents. And he told the community uh, that uh, he didn't know what to say. This had happened. He was miserable. He didn't know what to do. Um, And, you know, a whole bunch of men jumped in. Uh, You know, I think his post was responded to like 40 something times. It was like a really huge outpouring for this young man who had obviously just gone through something very traumatic. And we kind of, he checked in a little bit. He said, thank you guys. I've never been felt so supported like this in my entire life. What have you couple posts. And then 
don't hear from him. I tried to message him just to catch up and say, hey man, how are you doing? No word. Um, and this was about eight months ago. Um, and then a f- maybe a week and a half ago, I see his name pop up on a thread again. And he's like, hey, I just wanted to check in and give you all an update. Um, and he goes through his update. And what was so gratifying about that is like, the community served its purpose, right? He got what he needed in that moment. Maybe he didn't post every single day for eight months or something like that. But he, when he, when he was ready, right, he, he remembered the impact the community had on him. And it meant enough to him that he decided that he wanted to come back and actually update us. He didn't have to. He doesn't know any of us personally. But he felt called to come back to the community and share and say, you know, thank you so much. I'm doing better. This is what's going on in my life. Um, and that, I think, was really the strength of it, right? It's that, you know, we were there for him during and a very intense emotional experience for him. He got what he needed from, the, from the, the group. He went away. He did his own thing and then, you know, came back and said, hey, man, I just wanted to update you on what's been going on for me. You know, we all said great. And, and I think that was really evidence of the community. It, it can... It can be just like that, right? And then we also have men who are posting every day, actively engaged, responding to a lot of comments, and it's actually part of their daily routine. So I think there is no right way to do it. And I think that's what we try and uh, really impart upon people. It's like, we can just be there for you if you need us in a pinch, or we can be a consistent part of your lives every single day. It's really up to you. But I think the safety of the container that uh, Addison, myself, our co-founder Burke have created collectively uh, is really what is, is, I think what is gonna ultimately allow us to help, you know, I, my hope is that we get to, we get to help millions of men uh, on the planet. And, and it's really just about making this approachable. It's about lowering the bar to entry, therapy, uh, coaching, all of these things can be really daunting to start. But if you can just see that you're not alone and that there are other men out there who want to get better, who want to find more purpose and meaning in their lives, I think that is, is really what attracts people and, and, you know, what I think is our real strength. I absolutely love that because, you know, when I'm giving like a public talk or, or doing an interview myself, one thing I always like to like preface is, you know, I'm not an expert in anything. Like I can tell you what I've tried and what I've done, but I don't know if that's going to work for you. Like one thing for me right now is a big thing that's really worked is CBD oil. And that's really helped with my anxiety. Mm. And people ask me about it. And I'm like, like, I don't know if it'll help you. Like I've, some people have said it doesn't help at all. And, you know, but I love this whole theme of, you know, you're, no one's claiming to be an expert. No one's claiming to be, like you said, have that, like, you need to do this, 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 and then your mental health will be better, right? Like you're all just along for this journey together and, and then that sense of community and, and team, uh, you know, it's, it's just so huge. I, I do want to touch on a little bit. It's like, how do you moderate this? Um, you know, especially with men, you, you get trolls, you get, you know, maybe assholes who say the wrong thing or, or whatever, like, is that a concern? Has that been a concern? And maybe how do you go about kind of like trying to moderate this community a, a little bit, or at least kind of um, curate it in a way where people do feel safe and it, there is a safe environment for people to come forward? Yeah, I can I can hop in on that. So I think a lot of that comes into, you know, like we said, building the safe space. And part of building a safe space is always going to be like really 
building and maintaining a culture, but it kind of, it really segues into what we were just talking about where, you know, moderation, especially when it comes to safety and mental health, you know, for so many people, even in discussions I've had in the last 10 years, and especially in the last year, where I said, but you're not a professional. And moving away from a culture where not being a professional is a paralysis point, and it's a pride point. It's the first thing you mention. You know, I'm not a, pro a professional, so what does support look like for you? And in a way, being able to moderate in that sense when it comes to safety, I'll get into the other part of it later, but, but you know, to be able to do that, it, it's just so important. And it's, it's something that we really try to always show even in our own behavior. And Matt and I are obviously very active on the app. Like, mm. you know, I would assume almost everybody who's on there knows who we are. And it's not something we built and kind of made for the other guys. We are the guys and we show up. And I think that's been a huge part from day one. Cause when we started, it was, you know, the two of us and then the next guy who downloaded and the next guy. And there's something in that, like we said, where when the, when the behavior is modeled, there's a safety, but also like sort of this protection point. And we really haven't had that many issues within the app because it's grown organically in that way, which has been, which has been very cool. Um, as far as, you know, trolls and whatnot, um, I don't know, you know, I, I, instead of assholes, I might call them people with extreme opportunities for growth. Uh, and that's <laughs> how we look at it. Um, you know, we don't even use language like um, reporting or reprimanding or anything mm -hmm. like that. You know, it really is if something gets brought to our attention by another man, okay, looks like we have an opportunity for growth. Obviously, if it's, you know, illegal or something in, in the zero tolerance category, that's a different way of dealing with it. Um, but even then still, you know, walking someone to the door, letting them know they always have you know, this can be an opportunity for growth. It's not a canceling, it's not a shutdown. It's, you know, because uh, everybody comes to the tether door, whichever door they enter through, like we talked about, because there's so many opportunities there, you know, everyone comes at a different place. And that's one thing that we definitely try to respect. There's no ideal tether men. There's just any man who shows up at tether. And, and, and that's, that's really worked for us. And, and maybe uh, nine months ago, you might've said like, you know, that, that doesn't make any sense, but now we have nine months of data and proof that actually a culture is cultivated and, and it really does almost in a sense protect itself. And of course we have trusted voices within the community that get elevated to a point and um, the peers in, in that community, we have a moderating and we have a lot of advisors and, and yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool to see it develop and to mm. tweak and to be extremely responsible and, and, active on a daily basis depending on what happens but um right now the men that exist on tether seem to be very passionate about protecting the culture that they entered into which is really cool yeah um, the community and it makes our job a lot easier yeah, yeah. that too yeah <laughs> yeah no absolutely yes. uh, i did want to and get into because you both kind of mentioned these these journeys you both went on to uh, before kind of starting the app. And I would love for each of you to kind of describe, share with whatever you're comfortable, but there's been so many different things. You know, I've talked to people about on this podcast, about psychedelic therapy, about, you know, all, all sorts of different kinds of therapies, like obviously exercise. Uh, Matt, I'll start with you. Mm -hmm. What kinds of things, like you said, you, you ran the gambit, you tried a whole bunch of things. What were, <laughs> what were some of the things that you tried and maybe what, worked really well for you and and maybe you know you wouldn't try again oh man do you have another hour <laughs> um oh wow okay so yeah um 
so I mean, I've done, I've done therapy, obviously. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's a good one. Uh, I, I, I believe that, you know, finding, getting to the root of some of the issues that, you know, that you have through therapy is, you know, very effective understanding where things come from, what their origins are, um, very effective, but I don't think that therapy for me has been enough. Like there, there's a point at which you kind of get to the root of things and then you're like, okay, now what do I do with it? Um, and so the co coaching has been very effective and mindset training is kind of the next step of that and, and really understanding what are those automatic negative thoughts that you're having or those automatic patterns or those belief systems that you've constructed based on how you were born and uh, where you were raised and the things that happened to you and like what's your relationship with all of these things in your life, whether it's like money, sex profession, uh, all of these things, right? It's like, it's important to really get a holistic view of that. And then also realize when you're just stuck in a thought loop. Um, I mean, on the on the therapeutic side, I've done body work, I've done energy work, I've done heroic doses, doses of mushrooms, uh, I've done ayahuasca, uh, I've done all of these, uh, I've done, you know, um, holotropic breath work, uh, other breath work. Um, so, you know, I've, I've done quite a bit of stuff and like all of these things are like all of these things contribute I mean you know there there is definitely a huge benefit uh to psychedelics and to um entheogenic medicines and plant medicines uh responsibly done properly guided uh you know properly evaluated in advance and I really you know highly recommend that if you are going down that path you do your research mm -hmm. right um, there, you know what I mean? Like it is, it is something where you need to be safe. You need to feel safe doing it. You need to be with an appropriate practitioner. You need to prepare in advance. There's a lot of things that go into that diet, all of these kinds of things. And I, I always made sure that I prepared really well and that the people that I did it with were through people that I trusted or that I recommended or knew somebody that I knew. So I was very careful uh, about how I vetted that. But there is something to being in that space. And it is a profound space of complete acceptance, absolute self-love and a deep understanding and knowing uh, that you are whole uh, and that you are, you are perfect in exactly the way that you are. Um, now, I wouldn't say, and, and I'm going to caveat this, right? I think a lot of what we see with, you know, that, you know, with a lot of these treatments, you know, and it's not just psychedelics, it's not just ayahuasca, it's not just these things, but people talk about being fixed or healed, mm -hmm. or having healed. And I think that's a bit of a dangerous slope to go down. Because uh, I think if you don't have that experience, where you feel like you're completely healed, then that's just another thing that layers on top of you as a reason why you're broken. And that's not true. And I think that's a, you know, it's an important thing that uh, because that was my experience. Like I, I didn't feel, you know, I had a, I had, I've had these moments. I've, I've had these really prolific, profound moments where I've gone like deep and done like a lot of intense work and, you know, crying on the floor and weeping and like really going into it. And then I wonder why everything isn't perfect for me afterwards. Right. It's like, no, but I did it, but I, I prepared properly. I, I did all of these things. And then you start to question whether you did it properly or whether it was the right dose or whether it was the right setting, should I go back for more? And I think that creates this really uh, damaging potentially uh, uh, 
you know, uh, mindset of it's like, okay, it's just going to be the next thing. It's going to be the next thing. It's going to be the next practitioner. And I've been in that in a lot of ways. I probably didn't need to do all of the things that I did. I probably needed to do a, a couple of things. Now, I'm very grateful that I've had all of the experiences that I have. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now if I hadn't gone through that. But I think that we need to be careful um, about, uh, you know, over overemphasizing uh, and, and over attaching to this fixed idea and this healed idea. That is a very Western medicine thing where it's like, I give you this substance and then the infection goes away and it doesn't come back again. And we get, we just really, really want the infection to not come back again. And I think that it's a dangerous setup. Um, and I'm talking a lot about this because I've, I've had a lot of experience and I actually haven't had the opportunity to talk about this um, on a podcast yet. So um, I'm going to ramble a little bit more on this yeah, subject please, matter please. Um, because it's a really dangerous setup, right? In, in that the assumption is, is that there is a fix. There is a heal. There is a final end state. Um, and, and I really don't believe that that is the case. We are always continually experiencing learning and healing from things in our lives. And so if we think that there's this end state, we are almost, you know, subconsciously setting ourselves up to be completely destroyed uh, at some point in the future because you go, well, this next thing happens and I feel this way, but I thought I was healed and I thought I could deal with it. So really, I think, you know, a lot of this is about cultivating resiliency. Um, and I think Addison is a prime example of, you know, of resiliency. And it wasn't something that he planned on. It got, you know, it got forced upon him. Um, you know, I, I often describe like, you know, my journey with, with mental health, it's like having sex with an 800 pound gorilla in that it's not over until the gorilla says it is right. And, and, and it's true, right. It's like, these things are not, these things are forced upon you in some ways. And so, you know, I, when it comes to like a healing journey, right. Which I think is something that takes a lifetime. I think the question isn't what is it that I'm going to do that fixes me or what is the most effective thing, but it's what do I need right now, right? And do I need support? Do I need professional care? Do I need somebody to talk to, right? And, and, and I would say just naturally let your, your body, your being, you know, whatever you want to call it, guide you in the places that, you know, guide you to the places that you need to go because I have been guided to the places that I needed to be when I needed to be there. But I would say for anybody, and this is not just for therapy, this is not for psychedelics, not for medication. I mean, I tried five different types of antidepressants uh, and anti-anxiety medication. So like I gave it a really good shot. And again, it was all done with this mindset. If I, if I just take this pill, it's going to be okay. If I just do this thing, it's going to be over, right? And how can we, how can we lean in to the fact that this is a journey. That's really what I would want to emphasize. So I, I actually thank you for asking this question because I haven't been able to like expound on this um, um, for, for a little bit, but I think it's really important that you don't set yourself up with the false pretense that there is an end state where you have no problems and mental health is no longer a thing for you and you get to say you're healed or recovered. Um, I think it's something, it's about managing yourself. It's about managing your being. It's about managing your body um, and building uh, a really healthy relationship with the ongoing nature. And I think that's one of the things that we do with Tether is like, we always say, it's like, this is a team for life. 
This isn't like you come in, we wave a magic wand and, you know, suddenly you're fixed and you're no longer in need of tether, right? There's always going to be things. And so what we really want to do is we want to build a community of accountability, a community of men who show up, a community of men who are willing to be in it for the long haul. And that is exactly the, um, the, 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 the culture that Addison was talking about before where it, it isn't, it is men who show up and who consistently show up, right? In whatever place they are at, you don't have to show up 100%. You can show up 40%, 20%, 10%, but it's just, it's just about continually showing up. So I think that's the biggest thing that I would sort of talk about any of these modalities or coming to Tether or anything. It's just like, how are you showing up? And, and what are you looking to get out of it? And being very, very clear about what you need um, and, and the process that you're going through as well. I, I love that you said all that uh, and you put it so much more eloquently than I've, I've ever said it. But when like, when I give a talk, I always, I like, I basically say the same thing, but I always say, treat your mental health like a full-time job. Like it's not just the one thing. And I love that you said that. And especially about Western medicine, because we all, so many people who struggle with mental illness or are just going through a bad time are looking for that fix when really, you know, you're not just going to pop a pill and all of a sudden you're going to be all better. And I think that's what everyone expects or same with therapy. They go to one mm-hmm. session of therapy. They're like, ah, you know, like, oh, the, the, I don't like the therapist or blah, blah, blah. It doesn't work. And then they, like, you know, then they just go on Twitter and kind of complain about mental health and blah, 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 blah you know, mm-hmm. and what I, I share that same message with you that it's not, it's not one thing that all of a sudden you're going to be fixed. It's all these different avenues that you're going to explore and it might work one time. It might not work another and how you said, you know, just listen to your body and listen to what you need in that moment. But that, I mean, you know, you can tell you've went on some psychedelic journeys the way you put it. That was, it was, it was great. Um, and, and I just want to say yeah. one thing before you hop to Addison, there are days, there are a lot of days that I wake up and say, I fucking hate that I have to deal with this still. Can't it just be done with? Can't I just be fixed? So I am absolutely not immune to this. And, you know, I'm running a mental health community and trying to tell people to take the journey. And I'm like, fuck that. I'm done with this. Can we please just, could it please just be easier for a little bit? And then I allow myself to feel that. I allow myself to understand that, you know, that like, okay, it's okay. You can feel that way. And then I continue on. Right. And it's like, it's just that constant re-anchoring. Yeah. Perfect. Addison, what about some of the things that you went on? Um, especially, you know, Matt mentioned the resiliency and, and you went through your accident. Like, what are some of the things that you went through and in, in, on your journey? Yeah, no, I mean, so much of this echoes it. I mean, I always joke that the, the title of my book is going to be Honor the Journey, because that's all I can ever seem to muster up after everything I've been through. And it's, it's the exact same thing where, you know, I spent six of the last 10 years looking to be fixed, like you guys are both talking about. And the issue was, is that I didn't know that I was looking to be fixed. So it's easier to stand now and know that, but I didn't know that in the moment. And for some odd reason, even if the greatest therapist in the world is sitting there knowing they're not there to fix you, if that's not discussed, if that's not communicated, you know, and, and the, what I try to empower men to do is to have that conversation, like to set that intention, no matter what it is. And, and so for me, I, I mean, I, I explored, I, I had PTSD after finding my dad from his suicide. And then of course, um, PTSD again in a very different way from the accident because it was more of a physical experience. 
and the pain. And, and then again, there was a grief process because I lost a dear friend in, in the accident as well. So I sort of ended up with a team of people and, 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 and so many different options. And again, and when that really switched for me, no matter what I was doing, whether it was more holistic, like, you know, breath work and men's groups, were, which like Matt were very formative for me. I would say for me personally, coaching and community were the two game changers. Um, I met my mentor and, and, and my coach by accident on a plane on the way to go back to deal with my dad's estate. Um, she happened to be sitting beside me and I left that plane ride a totally different person. Um, and in that sort of get goosebumps every time I say that, because there is a lot of magic to me being here to my existence. Like there's a lot of magic threaded in between. And, and so it's easy when I discuss my story to go, Oh, that, that's the worst thing that could happen to a person or, you know, the, who, who can get through those three things. Uh, someone with a lot of community and a lot of magic woven through every other single breathing moment of those three things, you know, and it's weird. I actually get to show up in the world as someone who's very, very grateful. And I, and I say this a lot that uh, sometimes I even feel guilty because I feel like I'm one of the most well-supported people I've ever met. Um, and, and so that's just, you know, part of the the balance of it all. But I think that you know, for me, a big part of it too was getting, who's now going crazy, a dog, um, making it not about me. I was so, you know, especially right at the point where I was kind of going through suicidal depression, you know, it was, everything was so about me and my whole family was looking in and I was going through chronic pain and, you know, trying different things. And, and it was like the scramble against time. And, and it really had to switch back into stop trying to fix it, surrender and honor it. And then, and then everything you're doing. And for me, again, nutrition, hydration, breathing. I mean, just basic living elements became such a big part of my recovery because when you go back to honoring the journey rather than fixing it, you know, everything becomes a part of it. Like you're saying it at the full-time job, it comes to full fruition in that way. And, you know, like Matt, I think this is like such a needed reminder right now in this moment for me, because even over the last few weeks, I've you know, I've started to have like a few little slip ups or whatever we want to call them, like where I have that moment where I'm like, I was really hoping that I just kind of, that we were on to the next, you know, and, it, yeah. and it's so many men again and again, where it's like, but I was feeling so good for three months and now I'm this again. And it's like, that's not a failure. That's just where the, the real test of honoring the journey is showing up for you. And like Matt said, I always stress this, we are not fixed in showing back up we are not, you know, martyrs or like we are like we are everyday men who struggle within, you know, what our own experience in different ways every day and make mistakes. And the difference is that we've just gotten 10% crazy enough to champion that and mm -hmm. to find community around that. And that's what makes the difference. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I'm so grateful because even in the last few weeks, even with such external success, I mean, like, like, you know, just, I produced this movie this year that was up for an Oscar run. Hank mm -hmm. is really proud of my movie, um, you know, so many things going on. We, we joined 500 startups, we did the app, like all these things I never would have thought would have happened. And, you know, but then I was still not feeling great. And that's hard to, to face and to deal with, but it's a lot easier when you choose to stop doing it alone and stop seeing it as something that, that really needs to be fixed. So that's kind of my, um, my bit on that. Yeah. yeah. 
both like the wisdom that's just coming from you both is is just tremendous. And I really look forward to getting in here and, and checking out the app and exploring it a lot more and connecting with people. But before I let you go, I just did I I I always want to make sure that you know I didn't leave anything out in the questioning. Like, did I miss something that people should know about Tether or this app that you uh, you really want to kind of make make a point of people knowing? No, I, I honestly, I think like just sharing, you know, sharing what we have. And uh, I think, you know, if, if what we've said doesn't get you to want to kind of come and download the app, then we have much bigger problems than, <laughs> than a question being, no, I'm kidding. Um, I, I, I think, you know, I think, you know, it's one of the things that, you know, we always sort of, you know, try and impart, whether it's on the men in our community uh, or, you know, on these shows, right. It's like really this, you know, for us, which is a deeply held value, it's, you know, it's a thing that we sort of orientate our North star to. I think it's like how we, what, if, if there was one thing that we could communicate to men um, that I think is really the ethos of everything that we do, it's that struggling doesn't make you any less of a man. It makes you human. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if there's one thing that we've missed that I would want to impart to anybody that has the opportunity to listen to this podcast um, is that there is nothing wrong with you. You are not broken. You are not a problem to be fixed. Um, You are completely enough and everything that you are going through is natural, normal, um, and, and there is a community, there is a place for you, there is a space where you can show up exactly as you are. We have no expectations of you. Um, all, we, all we expect of you is that you treat the other men in there with the same respect that you would want to be treated with, right? And I think that's one of the most universal principles is treating others as you would expect to be treated. Uh, show up the best way that you can and, and just start putting one foot in front of the other, right? You'll you'll, I mean, Addison talks about magic and I, I, I love that because there is, there is magic when you actually start the journey and things start to fall in place for you. People show up, things happen that you could not have otherwise planned. And so what I would say is like, start putting one foot in front of the, in front of the other and, and start allowing that magic to work for you. Yeah, beautiful. So, I mean, I, you're on all the app stores. Where do people find this app? How do they connect with you? Uh, yeah. Social media. Yep. Uh, at Tether for Men on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can find us Tether uh, on uh, on Facebook as well. Uh, we are available for download in the Apple App Store and on Google Play. So you can find us uh, wherever. And uh, if you do download it, uh, feel free to give us a five-star review. If you think it's warranted, drop in a little comment. It really helps us. Uh, spread the word as far and wide as we possibly can. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's it. Tether for men. If you search it on Google, if you search it on Facebook, if you search it on Instagram, you will find us. Um, so yeah, yeah, come join. T-E-T-H-R. Uh, Thank you. Sure Thank you all... for spelling that out. That's what I should have done. T E T H R. Yeah. And as yeah, Addison's like spell it out. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, thank you so much. This was a, a a super great conversation. I love what you're doing, and like I said, I really look forward to jumping in and and getting to be a part of this community. Uh, like I said, on, on so many episodes, like this is exactly kind of like what my mission has been. So it's been really great to hear from you and, and connect on this. Likewise, thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate it.
take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.